This morning's uh, subject or topic, stay away from heaven. Genesis chapter 28 verses 1 to 22. Jesus once compared the work of the kingdom as being like a very, very little, tiny little mustard seed that is sown into the ground and then the whole process takes off and it grows into a tree. He was telling us that at the beginning size is not really important. In fact, it's quite insignificant. But that seed contains everything that is needed, all the genetics and everything else are in that, to prepare for that big tree that is going to grow from it. But it takes time. It takes patience. It takes nurture. And that is the way that God often works in the world and that is the way that he starts in the human heart. Now, if you have trusted in Christ, then God has already begun that work in you and he will finish it. That's his promise. He will bring it to completion. And he works with us very patiently. Your parents might be impatient with you. You might even be impatient with yourself. But the work has started. Now, we can either work with or resist and make it harder. Resist the work of the Holy Spirit in us. You can choose. Which way do you want to do this? The easy way or the hard way? We can resist like Augustine because Augustine grew up in a Christian home. He had a very godly mother. But he was, his youth was pretty wild, as wild as you can get. And in his youth, he prayed, God, make me good, but not yet. Or we can submit like him at his conversion and he recalls it as being, in his words, he says, I was, weep, I was weeping in the most bitter contrition of my heart. Then suddenly he heard God speaking to him through some, some children who were chanting just next door. And these were the words that they were chanting, take up and read, take up and read. And that's when things clicked. Augustine. Now, as we continue our series on Genesis, we have now transitioned from Isaac, the second patriarch, to Jacob, the third. But if you look at uh, Jacob at the start, you can hardly imagine, you can hardly think that this person is going to, has so much potential as a patriarch. If you put an ad in a paper saying patriarchs wanted, please apply and they brought you the resume, you would not accept this guy. You can't possibly see him being great, the father of 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. In fact, God is going to use his name to name his people. It's amazing. He is a cheat. Had to 
flee for his life from his very angry brother. And yet, by God's grace, God, God began to, to work in Jacob's life. Now, there weren't quick changes. He didn't go to a conference and suddenly his life was transformed. But like iron and somebody puts, bring this iron on top of an anvil and starts hammering and hammering and hammering away at it until the life is moulded and changed. This process took a lifetime but in the passage we're going to look at now God breaks into Jacob's life in a very dramatic way. Now last week we saw the, the family feud between Isaac and Esau on one corner versus Rebekah and Jacob on the other. Yes, they did manage to deceive an old blind man but it was a very hollow victory. Rebecca, mum, after seeing that everything had backfired so badly, moves to plan B. She doesn't like the daughters-in-law that Esau married from the Hittites. He's already married two. He had two wives. So she decides and talks to Isaac about sending Jacob to the Rellos. At best, as we can see, this is a secondary reason because the real reason is that Esau wanted his head. Meanwhile, Esau discovers that his marriages to the Hittite girls wasn't all that pleasing to Dad, so he decides to add another wife to marry a cousin. Seemed to be the rage in those days. Maybe he thought that he might earn his father's approval by marrying within the descendants of Abraham, being Ishmael, being part of the descendants of Abraham. Sad, isn't it? And Esau, Esau, unlike his brother Jacob, God never broke through in Esau's life. And yet, God seems to pick up Jacob's life and continues to hammer away at it. And there's a difference, isn't there? And that's where I want to take us this morning. First of all, I want to say that God begins where we are, verses 1 to 9. God begins where we are. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Benamaram, to the house of your mother's father Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there, from among the daughters of Levan, your mother's brother. And may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful, increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. God often begins where we are to take us where he wants us to be. He comes to our point of need in order to get our attention. Jacob leaves Beersheba and sets out on this 800 kilometre hike to Haran. 
His grandfather Abraham had done the journey, did the journey from the opposite direction 125 years before. And when Abraham's servant had taken a similar journey expedition to find a wife for Isaac, for dad, he took camels, he took servants with him. But Jacob leaves Beersheba alone on foot in a hurry as he tries to escape his brother. Driven eastwards. Who else was driven eastwards? Adam and Eve when they were driven east of Eden. Little did Jacob know that ahead of him was uh, Uncle Laban, Uncle Laban, who was pretty ruthless. He'd never met him, but uh, Laban is going to trap him and suck all the life out of him. It appears that Jacob was going from a rock to a hard place and from a death camp to a, a labour camp. Because you see, Jacob up until this point had schemed his way out of tight spots. That's the way he was. Let's get a deal happening here. But now he's fresh out of schemes. He's run out. There's nothing more in his bag of tricks. And, and believe it or not, you think, oh, this guy's in his 20s. He's okay. He's got all his life ahead. He's in his 70s. He's in his 70s. But I know he's going to live to a mid-140s. So he's, he's going to go through this middle-age crisis. That's 70. 77, I think he is. And a little confused about how life has worked out. Jacob stayed at home. His idea of an adventure was trying a new recipe that he saw in MasterChef. That's his idea of an adventure. Mum, let's do something together. Esau was the rugged outdoor type, the hunter, who camped out at night all alone not afraid of anything. Jacob, probably the best he did is, you know, Mum, can I put a, a tent in the back? But no, now he has to survive in the wilderness, out of his comfort zone, uncomfortable, all alone. What's going to happen? As the song goes, the great unknown where feet may fail. Remember those words? Let's put ourselves in his sandals once again. In spite of lying to your blind old man, in spite of all of that, Isaac, last week we spoke about the fact that he had to come through a, a revelation, a moment with God as well where he had to surrender to God's will. And, and in spite of the fact that you deceived your old man, he still sends you off with a, 
with a true spiritual blessing of grandfather Abraham. At this point, God is the God of Abraham. He is the God of your father Isaac. But it would appear that he's still not your God. It's almost like it's an inherited faith. It's something that has been handed down to you. Remember I spoke about the second-hand clothing, you know, that you sort of pass on to the kids? Yeah, yeah, we all go to church. That's our tradition in the family. But it's, it's never owned. It's never... You never make it your own. And it seems that even in his mid-70s, Jacob still hasn't got to the point where he's seeking after God. And yet the burden of the blessing of the God of Abraham, of your granddad and your dad, is on your shoulders. And God begins to work with Jacob at this point in his life, at the point of his greatest need. Many times it takes a crisis where we are brought to the end of ourselves, of our abilities, of our scheming, of our ideas, of our solutions. got nothing. We've got nothing left. Nothing. And it's only then where there, you, you come with, with hands, empty hands. It's only then that God says, okay, now we can start to work. Now we're ready. One way or another, God has to bring each of us to that point to break through into our lives. I don't care whether you've come from a very sinful past, you've come from a very religious, traditional background, whatever it is, you need to come to that point where you say, I cannot do this. And, and so, so before a person will be receptive to the solution, he has to be deeply aware of the problem. It's called repentance. If he's not aware of his great need, he's going to resist any intrusion in his life. And in order to get there, God has many, many tools to get us there. And pulling the rug from under our feet is one of his favourite ones. Secondly, in verses 10 to 15, God reaches down with his grace. God reaches down with his grace. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am. Keyword. Ding, ding, ding. 
I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and of Isaac. I will give you. I will give. What? I don't have to earn it? No, I will give. Verse 15, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. Do you notice the eyes there? And will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. At this stage in his life, the one thought in his mind was obviously survival. Jacob wasn't seeking a holy place. He, he wasn't going to a monastery. Okay? He, he wasn't going to live this ascetic lifestyle and, 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 and just seek greater holiness to find himself and all that type of No, 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 no. None of that. He hasn't yet spoken a spiritual word as far as we know, uh, apart from saying a lie that God had helped him to prepare to find the food to present to Isaac, which was a lie. He has not yet displayed any hunger for God. Yes, he wanted God's blessing, like many people today. God bless me! So you go to the front and they put their hand on you and they say, bless me, bless me. We all want the blessing, but how many people want God? No, 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 I don't want God. I just want the blessing. Thank you very much. No, but you have to take the whole lot. No, 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 can't we just, you know, we have to do the other stuff. Half price, you get the bill going. He wanted the blessing. He didn't want God. Now he gets God. Whether he wants to or not. He is found by God as he sleeps with his head on a rock. His brother probably wished that the rock was on his head rather than under it. But he still sleeps. No, it's not the cushy pillow that he had at home. Sleeping under the stars. And God is there. We don't have a distant God. He's not hiding for the astronomers, he's not hiding behind the Milky Way somewhere. For the intellectuals, he's not hiding in one of those books in the library somewhere. For the rich and the powerful, he's not hiding in something that you haven't bought yet. Jesus says to us, Lo, I am with you always. Even when we are not looking for him, he is there. He is there. And at Jacob's point of need, God gives him a dream. Now God, we will see many dreams in the rest of Genesis, but God often has used dreams to communicate with his people. But we need to be careful because they are open to many subjective interpretations and just you read the commentators and they all come from 
a different interpretation, somewhat different interpretation of, of this dream that Jacob had. The ladder represents the bridge, that's quite obvious, between heaven and earth. If God does not lower the ladder, the stairway, there is no way we could access him and seek his help. This ladder from heaven with the angels going back and forth between Jacob and God show that the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham was continuing his work, continuing to to work out his purposes here with mankind through the lineage of this man, this chosen lineage and that will ultimately lead to someone much greater, the Messiah, the very Son of God. Now, this supernatural episode is the background to the calling of actually one of Jesus' disciples, Nathaniel. Nathaniel was a little bit reluctant to follow anybody who basically said, you know, any, nothing good that ever comes out of that place. And, uh, and then he was convinced that Jesus was the Son of God, the King of Israel, And Jesus went on to say in John chapter 1 verse 51, you shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus is the new Israel and he stands at the bottom of the ladder and Jesus is God standing at the top of the ladder. It's all God standing at both ends of this connection, this way between heaven and earth. I am the way, truth, life. He is the one that opens the way for man in his desperate need to have access to God because man's efforts is all about building your way to get to heaven, Babel and all of that. It's about man's efforts, right? And there is no word of reproach here. There's no word of reproach. I'm, I'm surprised at this. I'm surprised because God, if I was God, I would have brought up Jacob, mate. We need to have a chat. Life is a mess. You know what you did to your brother, what you did to your dad, really bad. Let's go through the list, shall we? And God doesn't mention any of this stuff. There are no, not even the demands or commands that Jacob has to obey. How does that work? They're all, in fact, declarations and promises of what God intends to do for Jacob. I will do this. I will do that. That he won't leave him until everything that he's promised him gets accomplished. Last week we 
spoke of God's scandalous grace. Now, I don't know about you, but we we do tend to have, for me certainly, I do tend to have God's justice meter very finely tuned when it comes to other people's mistakes and sins. And the meter just redlines all the time when it comes to other people. You know, it just goes off everywhere. And then I plug it into my own heart, it doesn't work. Hey, I'm not that bad after all, look at that. Hey, perfect. Jeez. Oh, you got a problem with me? I don't know, I don't see my problem. What are you going on about? Where is the justice with Jacob? Please tell me. I'm trying to find it here. I hear often people come to me and, and you know, they have their complaints and everything else and how come bad Joe gets all the breaks and good Mary can't get a break? How come they, she's copying it so much, one after the other? Where is the justice in that? The old Puritan John Flavel once said, it is easier to cry out against 1,000 sins of others than to kill one of your own. Isn't it? Scandalous grace means that uh, rather than us getting to heaven through our own efforts, we have to totally and solely rely on the efforts of one other. Jesus Christ. Led Zeppelin wrote the famous song which highlights the human condition, Stairway to Heaven. You know the song, right? You're probably singing it in your head now. This is the first line. I'm not going to sing it. I'm tempted. There's a lady, I'm sure, all that glitters is gold and she's buying a stairway to heaven. So, right. This lady, she's sure because she's got money, she's got all possessions, all that glitters is gold and the more I have, the more I can do and the more I can earn my way to build this stairway to heaven. I'm going to get there. I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to give to charity. I'm going to give all these people and I'm going to put the plaque somewhere saying this person deserves to be in heaven because of all the good that they've done. She's building a stairway to heaven. And she's sure of this. Yet, that is not what the Scriptures tell us, is it? You can't build your stairway to heaven. God's grace is more like a search and rescue helicopter. You know the ones that go out to sea, that go out to the bush? And there the helicopter's spinning around and they lower this, this ladder. They just roll it down so we can 
climb, get a hold of it and climb and, 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 and it's get on board. Search and rescue. And I, I think our sense of justice tells us that some people just don't deserve to be rescued. And if you were to say to me, Jacob doesn't deserve to be rescued, I would agree with you. Absolutely. Because we know a lot of Jacob, don't we? In fact, the Jacobs could be a lot closer than, than we know. There's a bit of Jacob in our hearts, actually. None of us actually deserve to be rescued when it comes to it, does it? None of us. Oh, yes. But come on, God, please rescue me, rescue my family, my wonderful family, because they really deserve it. Lord, I've been good. None of us deserve God's grace. And if you are here this morning and you've got a problem with that, please take it up with the boss. Don't come and complain to me, all right? Talk to Andrew, you know. It's the head of the complaints department. Um, I've got nothing, guys. I can't explain it apart from the scandalous grace of God. Thirdly and lastly, um, we have to respond to him, verses 16 to 22. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought... Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now if you've done what Jacob had done and there is, when you're confronted with God, there has to be this, this sense. Whenever the angels appear, for example, the, the normal reaction is fear. But this is God himself. And so he is afraid. Because he realises he's dealing with God now. He couldn't connive or, or cheat his way out of it. God had his number. John Newton, when he wrote Amazing Grace... You recall the, the line that says, Twice grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. On the one hand, grace brings fear into your heart. It's a teaching grace, a convicting grace. At the same time, it's the, the, the grace that resolves the problem, the issue. And grace my fears relieved. And Jacob understood this dream. It's God breaking into his life. And he says, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Isn't that quite telling? I, I, I think Jacob didn't actually know what to say or how to respond. So I think he, he babbles a bit 
about this place being awesome. The King James Version, instead of awesome, has the word, the word dreadful. I think I like awesome more. Uh, the house of God, the gate of heaven. It sort of reminds me of Peter and the Mount of Transfiguration. And uh, he didn't know what to say. The, the gospel tells us that. And he says, we're going we're to build a tent for these supernatural guests who are here. It's obvious that this guy still doesn't understand God's grace. God's promises to Jacob are all unconditional. Yet, Jacob's promises to God are all conditional. God has just promised to do all these things for Jacob and he turns around and tells God that if he will come through as he has promised, that Jacob will make him God. He's God. He will, he will set up, I'm going to build you a nice house. I'm going to build you a nice church in Bethel. Okay? And, and, and give him 10%. I'm going to give you the tithe. I'm going to be the, the dutiful member of this church. Big deal. Big deal. Maybe he thought that after this short experience with God in the desert that he will return home all victorious back to Esau and Esau's going to be so afraid that Esau's just going to run away scared and he's going to, Jacob's going to take over the father's rich estate and retire and live happily ever after. Thank God that God deals with us on his unconditional terms, not on our conditional terms. He's patient. He will, as I said before, hammer away at Jacob's heart through the many trials that await him. But the work has started. Jacob's life is going to take twists and turns along the way. To borrow a location from our Russian brothers, he is going to the Siberian Gulag. Run by his uncle, Laban, to spend 20 years there. What Jacob needs the most through all of this is know that God is going to be with him. That God is going to be with him all the way. Let's read those words again. Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. For Jacob it was a dream. For Elijah, the prophet Elijah, it was the gentle whisper. Wasn't it? For Moses it was the burning bush. And so on and so on it continues. I wonder if, if you can recall experience like that in your life. Maybe you sat in a pew or a chair. I don't have pews anymore. Anyway, let's not go there. Uh, maybe you sat in a pew for, for, for years since a kid and, and you just... 
Nothing seems to happen. There's no... Me? What's going on? I want to go home, Mum. Nothing happens. Years after years, it's the same thing. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, it just clicks. You finally get it. It could be a song, it could be a word, it could be somebody's testimony. I don't know. It might even be a dream. Maybe it was a passage of scripture you've read many times and then one day it finally made sense and God breaks through. He breaks through. Surely I was in this place and I was not aware of it. God is here. God is there. God is everywhere. And maybe the problem is that you're not aware of it. God has many tools at his disposal. You know what they are. And he uses them to make himself known to us. And then he'll bring us maybe to the place where God can break through into your life. He won't know, he won't give you magical instant solutions but he will begin to work when you come to the end of yourself and you admit, Lord, I have a need. I have a very real need that you already know. And as we sung, I surrender. I give up. The white flag, I surrender. And that's the place where God's grace, God's unmerited favour begins to take effect. You're at Bethel. You're at the house of God where God comes down to earth through the ladder that he lowered and earth problems. Your life is carried up to heaven. That's God's work, isn't it? All of him and none of us. Amen.